Welcome to another live Wednesday night edition here on The Rock Pile. The Rock Pile continues tonight with the legends and up next tonight. I was talking to him for a little while before we came on the show here a few minutes ago and coach cut out my Uncle Paul. So uh, I'm just waiting for him to get back online. He should be on with us here in just a few moments. But uh, The Rock Pile of the Legends will continue this month. Next week, I'll talk to longtime Rome Catholic RCH head basketball coach Jimmy Kenny. I'll have Coach Bill Fleet, and then I'll have Coach Jerry Fiorini. We'll wrap up the month of March, and then we'll head into April with another month full uh, of legends. I want to make sure I thank the Rome Sports Hall of Fame, as I always do each and every week. Check out their Facebook page at the Rome Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. They're located at 5790 Rome, New London Road in Rome. They can be reached at 315-339-9038. You can also email Dave Sparaglia at S-B-A-R-A-D-A-V at AOL.com. They do have a GoFundMe account, and they also have a Venmo. They can be reached at Rome Sports slash Hall of Fame. So tonight's guest is my Uncle Paul, Coach 80. And, uh, again, he'll be on with me in just a moment. We are having some technical difficulties uh, before he, he was logged in. We did have to, we probably did have to show a little while ago here um, for 15 minutes, and then I, then I lost him. So I'm hoping that uh, he's dialing back in, uh, and he'll be on here in just a moment. But it's been a really, really fun lineup of coaches so far um, this season, I guess you can say, on the rock pile. Um, I had my dad, my dad on with me. Coach Evans was fantastic. Um, Coach Mike Davis uh, was fantastic. Linda Harjung last week um, was fantastic as well. And let's see, I think we got my Uncle Paul on right now. So let me see. There he is. Let me bring you right in. I was worried about you. Uh, uh, there you are. Into the heaven there for a second. I don't know what happened. Well, I, I was trying to kill some time, and I was saying, please, Uncle Paul, get back on. <laughs> get back on. Please know how to do it. But uh, I'm glad we're able to get you. So we're on live now. So I appreciate you taking the time tonight. Oh, thank you, Rock. Congratulations. You know, the Patriot thing for you is going to be a nice deal. That's uh, I'm happy for you. Good luck. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you very much. Well, listen, Uncle Paul, I had to do some research on you. I did not know you were a three-sport athlete in high school. Uh, you know, I, I was a mediocre athlete uh, in a lot of things, uh, which which is something, you know, it was funny. Brian, Aidy, and I were talking tonight, you know, about kids. The difference today with kids is is, is kids kids don't do uh, more than one sport. And back when I was a kid, you did everything, you know. Uh, you played football, you wrestled, you played baseball, you, you know, you, whatever you could do, you did. You didn't really – there was no off-seasons, you know. And uh, I, I think that's – that's a great thing. You know, I think that, that teaches an awful lot. Yeah. I didn't know you were a baseball guy. Um, you know, I, I knew the track piece, but I didn't know baseball. Uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, I heard my brother talking about uh, basketball when we were young. And the, and the thing is we had a grandfather who was a, who was a very good uh, baseball player. And I think Mike and I both were, were, were more baseball than we were anything else until, uh, until we got older. But, uh, you know, I loved baseball. I, you know, I played Legion in, uh, you know, high school. And uh, but like I say, you know, it got to the point where uh, the football was, I guess, more important to me. And so I spent most of my time trying to be a better football player. Well, most of these coaches that all played at RFA, Uncle Paul, I got to say, I, I hear it all the time. They always say you can't compare 
generations, right? There's a lot of people that'll say, you know, back in the day when you were coaching and you played, there was no state playoffs. When I played, we were fortunate enough there were state playoffs. Yeah. But uh, you guys had some good teams. And if I remember, I don't think you lost a game. Well, you know, I when, when uh, they had the Hall of Fame thing, I was talking to Billy Fleet, and I remember saying, you know, I, I played football for four years and we never lost a game. I, I laughed because I, I I was a JV coach. I lost the game and uh, they got rid of me. I ended up being an assistant on the varsity. You know, I mean uh, that 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 wasn't that wasn't unheard of. You know, I mean I, years ago, Scotty Petoniak wrote, wrote a beautiful article. You know, I, I'd been a head JV coach for a couple three years or something. We hadn't lost any games. We and as you and I were talking just before, I, you know, I had some really 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 good JV football teams. And uh, so Scotty wrote a great article and, you know, all the winning and stuff. And uh, I was uh, talking to, uh, he was a science teacher over at uh, Stroud. His name was Bob Garlinghouse. And uh, he had he had coached football at RFA for a long, long time. And uh, he came up to me and said, geez, coach, congratulations. You know, that's really nice and stuff. And so I said, how long did you coach? And he said, well, about six, seven years. So I said, how many games did you lose? He said, oh, we never lost. We never lost a game. And I, you know, and then, and I, at the time I had three assistants. So I was the head coach and I had three assistants. And I said, how many assistants did you have? He said, oh, I didn't have assistants. It was just me. <laughs> so I'm laughing well, at myself. I'm saying, I'm, I think I'm a big deal because I've won all these games. And here's a guy who coached uh, seven years, never lost a game and didn't have any assistants. But uh, that was a great experience. That's, you know, you, you learn a lot uh, at that level. I was very lucky. You know, I was surrounded by, uh, some really good coaches as as a player, and then when I got when I got into coaching, uh, I, I worked a couple years. You know, like I was I was like the GA. I was the GA on the varsity, and uh, then they moved me down to JVs, and it was Bob Ryan and and, and I, and the, and there was always somebody new. Billy Arthur one year, uh, you know, Fida Costi helped us. Uh, you know, it was a bunch of guys, and uh, and I was laughing because your dad was talking about. Bob Ryan being organized, and, and I have never been around anybody more organized than Bob Ryan. He, I mean, he just, I mean, he had practices, uh, everything. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. And after two years, he said to me, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to be the head coach anymore. And I said, why not? He says, because you're going to be the head coach. And I, you know, Rock, I never had any ambition to be the head coach at any level. I, I really enjoyed uh, being a position coach. But he made me be the head coach. I said, I don't want to do it. He said, no, you're going to do it. And, uh, you know, I became the head coach. But I laughed because if it wasn't for him, you know, and, and being around him and the people that I was around, you know, I'd probably be selling insurance, happily retired, living in uh, Naples, Florida. <laughs> so go back to your, your playing days at RFA. I know playing days and, and your coaching days, obviously the program, you didn't lose any games back then. But how special was it as a player to come out with five, 6,000 fans um, at the stadium, you, you know, Rock, uh, we that it was a Central Night League then, and uh, probably our biggest game there. You know, I laugh. There are always good teams. Notre Dame had just started a program, and they were, you know, they had a kid, uh, Danny Harper, a kid from Rome, who went on and was an All American at the at Holy Cross. But uh, you know, it was Proctor, U of A, uh, uh, New Hartford, Whitesboro, you know, and us and. And Whitesboro became like that was the game. If you could, if you know, you could hang in with Whitesboro, you were doing pretty good. And my senior year, they had uh, they had some great kids. They had a kid named Eddie Sinikowski, who was a quarterback. Uh, Sonny Sarasolo, you know, 
they had really good players. And we played them in the stadium. It was our home game. And uh, I was the center. And I remember you, you, you know, you probably never saw this, but the, 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 the end closest to the school used to be the J, that was like the junior high section. And then it was the, you know, the, the section across from the uh, stadium was the, the RFA students. And the other section was they would bring in people from all over and they would use it. The, the entire field was surrounded. And I remember I, the first time we got the ball, we got the ball on like the minus four yard line or something. And I had to huddle everybody up in the back of the end zone. And I remember the people were standing. I mean, they could hear us talk in the end zone. And, and I think they said there was like 8,700 people there that night or something. But it was it was always 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 packed, and and you know because you played there. Uh, there was a great article in Sports Illustrated years ago, a, a guy from Watertown, who ended up being a big uh, sports guy. He was uh, who played for Watertown, and he laughed because he he wrote a big story. I don't know if you've ever seen this or ever heard of it, but he wrote a big story in Sports Illustrated about playing football Friday night football. Nobody did that in Rome, New York. And he, you know, he couldn't stop talking about the lunatics, you know, the crazy people. And I laughed because that's that that was a big. I don't care who, what level you play at, home games are, are different because you got the people in back of you. And RFA was was notorious for having people that were, you know, I mean, you, we, you were talking about your, your your grandfather and people like that. But we used to get yeah. we used to have to get to the stadium by five o'clock, and when we would get there, there would be people sitting in the stands at five o'clock for a seven thirty game. So it yeah. was it was amazing, and, and and again we, you know, we were blessed. We had some really really good football players on that team. Great coaches, you know. I was thinking this the other day. I I think every every uh, my my senior every kid on the offense I, I should say, every kid on offense played college football, and I think seven of them on defense played college football, and and uh, three or four of them were you know Division one kids. We had two fastest kids in the state. We had the. Uh, the Rick Polinski and, uh, and Bruce Simpson. Bruce went to West Point and uh, Rick went to uh, Colgate and, and, and they ran track and they were two of the fastest kids in New York State. So all we had to do was push people around a little bit. And we had, you know, like the big, the Rakowski brothers. And there were some, some really good football players back then. Now, we what year, because you were, you, you were center for, for Coach Davis, right? Was he older than you? I, I carried. It wasn't for me, Mike Davis, to be uh, selling shoes. Or anything like that. He was he was a sophomore. He was a sophomore, and uh, I was a senior. And and I, I'll never forget this. We were playing at New Hartford. We'd won. You know, they'd been undefeated for I don't know three or four years in a row. And we're we're down at New Hartford Saturday afternoon. You know, ah, eh, we're big time. We played for Friday night, and uh, we're getting beat at halftime. And uh, they brought Mike out of the bullpen. It was like the Lou Gehrig story, you know, the, the guy gets sick and uh, takes a day off and Lou Gehrig plays the next 12 years. But uh, Mike came in and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But uh, and we ended up beating him. We ended up beating him. It wasn't so you, Go ahead. So you spent six you spent six years with Coach Ryan. And then I think it was four years as an assistant under Coach Bruce. Yeah. Talk about how how special Coach Bruce, they, Coach Bruce hired me. You know, he was the guy that brought me in. And then when I got up on the varsity, when I was working on the varsity, uh, Tommy Hoke was the was the the head guy, and Don was the uh, the defensive coordinator, and Mize and I. And I always say that I was blessed because I got a chance to play for for all three of those guys. But talk about Coach Bruce first, because I always say what Coach Bruce did when I was playing, 
he was always a step ahead of when you see all these college defenses and all these college coordinators, he was doing a lot of that back in high school. He was a step ahead of the game. Talk about those guys. There, you know, it's funny. Obviously, we had great kids. But, you know, it, it, a lot of it was coaching. A lot of it was, you know, you you, you had people who, who – who taught you at, at, at lower levels to be decent, you know, getting a stance, all the things that, uh, you know, you, you don't want to have to teach a kid when he, when he gets to the varsity level. And, and, and Don was a great coordinator. He, you know, he, he really knew what he was doing on defense. We did things, we changed things, we, you know, we, uh, we game planned, you know, I, I don't know how much other schools were doing that, you know, in 1966. You know, and Don was, you know, Don was a very good coach, but he was a better guy. You know, I mean, we, we played hard for Coach Bruce because we liked him, you know. And uh, he was the, it, 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 my senior year was his first year. And uh, when we when we won the last game, we played, the, it was funny because we played Watertown the first game instead of the last. That was always a tradition. So we ended the season with UFA and they weren't very good. And we, you know, we, we put a butt kicking on them. And I never saw Coach Bruce happier in my life. You know, I mean, he was a happy camper. And uh, so his first season was undefeated. He always says that, you know, the, t the year before us, he thought was maybe a better uh, offense, but he thought that we were one of the best teams he ever had, you know, uh, 22 people. But we, we had some great games. Whitesboro was a great game. You know, like I say, the Notre Dame had a nice team back then. and It, it was fun. It was, it was a big deal. You know, it was that. That's back. You, you certainly don't remember this, but that was when they played. Uh, <laughs> nobody got on our faith field except the varsity football team, and and they would let the JV team play the second half of their last game <laughs> under the lights, and they had a drum pageant, and the drum pageant was the only other thing that was on that field, and that field. I mean, we. When I was when I was coaching varsity, we played the team from Syracuse, and a guy came in and he was talking about the field, and he said he played at Syracuse, and he said, you know, I was in the Rose Bowl, and Rose Bowl's field is nowhere near as nice as this stadium, and I and that's an amazing thing. And the lights, I mean, where else did they have lights? You know, five thousand seat stadium and a field that was. Uh, I remember the guy used to take care of the field, a guy named George Smith. They used to cut the they used to cut the numbers in. In other words, the the grass would be, you know. Uh, two inches long and he'd cut, you know, he'd cut the numbers out at one inch and then they put the, so it was just spectacular. It was a great experience. Great. And experience. Paul, you, you, you were quoted in one of, I forget which article it was, but you had mentioned Rome sports as the golden age of Rome sports. Oh, and and you, you mentioned a lot of the, you know, the older coaches. So I know some of them, but obviously I don't know them all, but you mentioned um, coach Bennett, coach Bruce was mentioned in there. Um, coach Coughlin, Charlie Dane, coach Evans, Talk about some of those guys, too. You know, I'll start with Coach Dane. Maybe, you know, when you thought gentlemen, people are gentlemen, Coach Dane was a gentleman. He, I mean, Coach ran that department. I, I was very lucky. I, you know, I, I, I played there when Coach Dane was the AD, and then I worked there when Coach Coffin was there. But with the, with the Coach Dane was the kind of a guy that he, he ran that ship. And those, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of fannies puckering up when he walked in that office at, at RFA. You know, the old Stan Evans with his gray pants with the stripe down the leg, Don with the stripe down the leg, because that's that's the way Springfield did it, and that's the way they were going to do it. He was he was a great guy. And Coach Coughlin, who took over after him, was was really a, a really good guy, you know. I mean, he you know he ran. He was a track coach, 
and you know, talking about the you know the golden age, I always laugh. You know, I was I was thinking about coaches. I was thinking of Paul Gelati, and uh, I don't think Gelati ever lost more than I don't know. Maybe swimming, he lost two or three a year, but I, I doubt it. But his uh, his track team and his uh, cross country team, they went years without losing, years. So they were they were coaches there, you know, that were just great coaches. Coach Bennett was a great guy. You know, I mean, uh, I, I was lucky to, be, I, you know, why do you become a coach? Because you can't play anymore. And so you got to do something. And then, you know, if you want to be in, in sports, you become a coach. And, and and I was blessed to be around people who were such good coaches. Mm-hmm. And, and most of them were better people than they were coaches. And they want, you know, Coach Raff. I played for Coach Raff. And I don't know if, you know, he was an amazing guy to be around. And, and then to be around him you know, uh, to work with them in the, in the system. And, uh, you know, guys like that, you know, they just made your life. So Ed Weed, Ed Weed, you know, Ed Weed was, a, was, a, you know, when you, when you played for Ed, you better, you know, you better have your poop together because he was going to make sure that uh, I remember, I think in uh, all the, all the years I played football, I missed one practice and I, I had a cold. And I was a senior and I was pretty good. And, you know, we were undefeated. And it was like the maybe second to last game or something. And it was like a Monday or something. And uh, I had a horrible cold. And my father made me stay home from school. And I didn't want to stay home, but the scoop said, you're staying home. So I stayed home. Next day, I go to practice, calls the first team out. I go trotting out. And Ed Weed looks at me and said, what are you doing out here? He said, well, I'm, I'm the center. I'm the first season. You're not the first string anymore. Get in the end of the line. And so I spent the day as the third string center. But they, they were just great, great. And all the sports, you know, all, all the sports. You know, we, you know, it's funny, you know, talking about the stadium impact and stuff. We had, you know, we had a trainer. We had an equipment guy. You know, I mean, what, what high school kid in 1965, you know, got a clean change twice a week? You know, and it was it was special. RFA was a special place to be. You know, and, and Uncle Paul, I've asked all these questions to the, the people that have been on this show, but everybody always says a lot of the old school coaches wouldn't be able to coach in today's day just because of the change with how, how parents are, administrators and all that. Do you think a lot of those guys could have coached today still? Well, yeah, you know, because they're good coaches. I mean, I guess I'm the perfect example. You know, I mean, the uh, Things are much, you know, the, the stuff I did, uh, you know, I, I wonder how, you know, I taught school for 38 years. I, I wonder how anybody passed. The first year I taught school, I, I went back, you know, three or four. I said, how did those kids ever pass? My God, I was a terrible teacher. When I think of what I did the first year I was a football coach, probably should have put me in jail for half the stuff I did. But, you know, you, you learn so much and you're around such good people. You know, you're around people who make you become better. You know, one of the things that uh, guys like I, you know, Mike Davis and I spent uh, half half our year going someplace to learn one thing. You know, we'd get in the car and drive to Penn State. We'd go up to Rhode Island. I mean, we, you know, we went to clinics. If there was a clinic, we went. You know, you, you learned how to be better coaches uh, by being around good people. So so the people, that, you know, like a guy like Raff, you know, he he changed. You know, from when when I when when I you know in the, I had him as a JV. I actually had Coach Raff as a JV as a freshman coach, a JV coach, and a varsity coach. Him and I kind of moved up the ranks together. 
and he was a different coach, you know, at, at the end of it. But I, I think, yes, I, I think the coaches, good coaches, and there's, there's, there's bad coaches too. You know, you can get people that don't know, you know, their ego gets in the way. You know, I always laugh. I, I have never gone any place and not learned something. You know, I, I don't care if it's a, a game or a practice or a clinic, you, you, you know, you learn something. And I, I always bring a pencil with me and I always write in the program, you know, the one drill you see, that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I, I, I think, yeah, I think anybody, you know, if you want to be in it, you know, you were talking to Joey Gilbert uh, on Saturday, you know, I'm sure he's he feels like he's coaching a lot different today than he did, you know, 30 years ago. Same thing with Herb, you know, the, you know, at the UCF now, you know, you, you better, if you can't change, if you can't adapt, you're out the door. And they were good coaches, so they would have. You know, they would have. Don Bruce went from being a head coach to an assistant. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty big, you know, that's, that was a pretty big thing. You know, it was his choice, and he did what he wanted. And, uh, you know, but, yeah, you could. Kids are different. You know, I, I think kids, you know, I heard you ask somebody. <laughs> I, I always laugh when I think of this. When I was a senior, you know, we were pretty good. and We beat up a few people. And I remember running my mouth to my father about how good we were. And uh, my father said something about, I, when I was in high school, and I said, Dad, you were in high school in 1940. Uh, you know, I said, uh, you're going to tell me you think those guys could beat us? He said, he said they'd have beat the snot out of you. And I said, you're nuts. And, and he said, do you know where these kids were? I said, what do you mean? He said, they got out of, they didn't, half of them didn't graduate from high school. They went in the Marine Corps. They went in the Army. They fought, they said they fought the Germans. They fought the Japanese. You know, my father was in Saipan. You know, he said, then they come back and they play high school football. He said, how'd you like to line up against some kids, you know, 23 years old and uh, had been in the Army for four years killing people? And I said, geez, I never thought of that. You know, <laughs> pimply-faced 18-year-old kid, you know, thinking I was a hot dog. But, uh, you know, kids have changed, too. Yep. The uh, coaches will adapt or they'll be gone. So when you when you left RFA, I, I want you to tell us because I know it's it's over thirty years. It's close to forty now at Hamilton, right? Yeah, 30, I think this will be my thirty eighth season. And and some coaches like myself, when I got out of college, I for some stupid odd reason, I said I wanted to I wanted to come back and coach high school. I I, I probably could have stayed on as like a GA, but I didn't want to do the college thing because I mean you know it. It's it's a full time job. Yeah. You have no life. You're on the road recruiting. No family time. No nothing. What brought you to Hamilton? You know, I, I had a great experience at RFA. And, I, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know if I ever would have left RFA, but uh, Mike Davis gave me a call, and uh, he had just started over there. And they, they, were, they needed a coach. Then he called me and asked me if I was interested. And I said, yeah, I'm interested. But it was like the end of August or something. I said, geez, Mike, I can't, you know, I can't quit in August, leave Hokie, uh, you know, without a coach here. But if you're interested, you know, give me a call at the end of the season. Well, season ended. I went over. I sat down at the, at the guy who was in charge then was a guy named Steve Stetson. And uh, I went over, talked to Stets. You know, they hired me, and the rest is history. 38 years. I've, I've missed a couple. One, you know, I, I when I took over as a strength coach, I kind of felt like I was shortchanging a lot of the teams because I was still coaching football. So I took a year off, and then I a couple years ago I had that thyroid problem, and then I took a year off because of that. But uh, so it's 38 years I've been there, but 36 I've coached. Great, you know, 
it's, it's a wonderful place to be. Wonderful. And I was trying to go back and I was trying to write down names of, and you would probably know all the, I think it was like 10 or 11 different head coaches at Hamilton you've, you've worked with. And I had to even go back and see, it might've even have been four or five presidents have changed at Hamilton college, well, athletic been, directors. How tough has it been when all these new coaches and all this change happens? First, I, I laugh, you know, I've been through, I think it's, I think it's like seven or eight head coaches. Uh, five athletic directors and about four or five presidents. For, the first thing I tell every, every, you know, I laugh. Uh, first thing I tell whenever the new coach comes in is the first thing I do is fire everybody, me included, you know, and bring in your own people. It, it's, it's a funny job because they can't bring in a staff, you know, they eventually hire a staff, but you know, they kind of got to take who's there. And uh, so if you, you know, if we were just talking about adjusting to, to different things, you know, when different coaches come in, they do different things, different defenses, different offenses, different people, you know, different egos, you know, and uh, it, it, it really hasn't been hard. You know, like I say, I, I, I don't know, you certainly don't remember, there was a book called The Peter Principle, and it was the book basically talked about reaching your level of incompetency. You keep getting promoted until you can't do the job and then you stay there for the rest of your life. And uh I never wanted to be the head coach. I never wanted to be the defense coordinator or the offense. I wanted to coach the, the D-line or the O-line and get my kids in the room and teach them and get them out on the field and kick the crap out of people for 60 minutes and, uh, and then go home, have a beer and a cigar and uh, get ready for the next game. So I never really had a, a tough time adjusting to being around new coaches. That's interesting you say the the assistant coach, position coach, because, again, there's some coaches that want that, you know, that big time job. You know, they move up the ranks in coaching. Yeah. There's some coaches that are perfectly content at where they're at. And uh, I think it's interesting to hear that, you know, you were content and, and you liked what you were doing. You had uh, Kingwater on a couple of weeks ago and I was listening. And I, he said something that really struck home with me because he's talking about leaving, you know, leaving town and he went someplace. And then he said, I wanted to come home. And I was always happy here, you know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a. I've been coaching college football for 38 years, and I still live in Rome, New York. You know, I mean, I've had chances to get other jobs, no, no interest, no interest. You know, people have talked to me. Would you want? No, I don't. I'm happy. You know, and I've been blessed to be. You know, again, the, the the people that have have been the boss over there are are great people. You know, the first AD over there was a guy named Tom Murphy. And uh, you know Coach Murph from basketball. Yep. I mean, he just a great guy. He's just a great guy. I mean, I, I I don't know why they hired me, you know, but I know that Coach Evans and Coach Murph were great friends, and I'm sure Ev put the good word in for me with with Coach Murph and that helped. And uh, the, the funny story when uh, when I went for my interview, Coach Stetson was so sick he had he was sitting with a, a blanket around him and sneezing into a thing and. You know, I'm all, I got a suit and tie on. I'm ready to do stuff on the board. And all he wanted to know is if I had a pulse and, uh, <laughs> you know, could make it over there. But uh, there's, you know, you, you get around those kinds of people and uh, you, you, you enjoy it. And I loved it. You know, I, like I say, I, I, you know, I'm like Michael Corleone. I've tried to get out a couple of times. Can't. Just can't. You know, I can't do it. You know, I, I enjoy it too much. It's too much fun. Well, it's it's funny this question comes up because Mark Vodka's, um, wanted me to ask you about the blue death flag behind you, which I was going to ask 
about that. Now, I, I do have to ask, and, and may, you can say what you want. And, and the over-under tonight, I told you on cuss words, was at least 10, and you haven't said one yet. You can my swear wife, on here. I don't have the big one. Hey, my wife, yeah. My wife's got a, a knife. She's sitting next to me. It's going to be uh, going to be hair, shit, and skin flying if uh, I say anything bad. But, uh, so I've always wanted to ask, and I'm sure it's probably an internal thing with, with your players, but, but Mark says, Rock, ask Coach about the blue death flag behind him. And I was going to ask you, are you able to tell us a little bit about that? Very little. It's a, it's a secret cult, and uh, only certain people. When I, when I first went to Hamilton, uh, the first year I was there, we went six one and one. We actually beat Union. Union was the number two team in the country. We beat them at our place. We played Wagner. You know, we beat Wagner. They were in the top ten, and uh, we were in a we were in a meeting. And and everybody, you know, everybody always has a nickname. Defense, you know, you know, always has a, a, a nickname. So my lunatics were sitting in a room, and they wanted to have a nickname. And I had I had read this article about some school down south, and it was Blue Death. You know, the Blue Death defense. <laughs> And I went in to Coach Stetson, and I said, Stets, you know, we got to have a nickname. And he looked at me like I was from the moon. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you know, got to have a nickname. So he said, what do you think? And I said, Blue Death. And he looked at me like this. He goes, he goes, Coach, this is Hamilton College. You think they're going to let you have a Blue Death? So I said, really? He goes, oh, no, we can't do that. So I left the room and went out and bought T-shirts that said Blue Death on them and handed them out to the kids. And uh, for the next – I mean – this the, the group that really is blue that were the first couple three years but there's uh there's a there's a small they get together every year and have uh, i mean they have events they have golf out i mean it, it's 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 amazing and and the 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 thing that i love about hamilton the most is these kids like this this group this blue death group is like you know my first couple of years but the, there's a kid named david catalina who who is like uh, the father of Blue Death, and they get there's about you know it's, it, there's about maybe seven or eight of them. There's him and uh, uh, Boo Street and uh, Jimmy Young and the Claire. I mean there's there's a bunch of these kids. They get together once a year. They're as close today as they as they were in 1984 and five when they were at Hamilton, and it's the same thing. Like when you had Gilby on, I was laughing because that was my first group. Joey was, I think Joe was a sophomore, maybe, or a junior. But the kids on that team and will get together like they're still in college. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. It really is. You know, I mean, I always get a kick out of, you know, people say, why are you still there? And I said, because I, I just enjoy being around these kids. So Blue Death is, uh, there's, some, there's some ugly stories, Rock. I can get you put off, uh, thrown off YouTube if I started telling you the real story. But, uh, you know, the blue death is a big, I laugh when I, I always tell my wife when I die, all I want her to do is make sure it says uh, he coached football on my stone and make sure the blue death flag is in the, <laughs> in the box when I go. So when the boys well, get there, they'll see me standing there with it, uh, waving <laughs> it over their heads. Well, you got some more comments. You got another one of our favorite uh, coaches, Coach Hand. Said uh, 38, 38 years at Hamilton, they should name the stadium after Coach Eddie or at least a weight room. Or maybe a locker or something. Love you, coach. <laughs> I got a uh, I got a, a case of beer uh, with my name on the side. That's another group. Like I say, Herb's in that group. Herb is in that group with uh, with all these lunatics. And Herb's Herb plays uh, Texas plays Oklahoma two years ago. Beats Oklahoma after the game. Herb's standing 
on the edge of the field with all these lunatics and a blue death flag. I mean, where, where else are you going to see that? You know, I mean, that's that's powerful stuff, you know. And so don't get me started. Hey, don't get me started about Herb either. <laughs> you gotta, you'll have to tell a couple of Herb stories. But, you know, one of the things I, I, I really, I mean, obviously, I we all know Herb. But uh, one thing I always say about Herb is there's a lot of coaches, players that make it to the to the highest level, and they always forget where they come from. And Herb is a guy that never forgot where he comes from. Every time he comes back, you know, he comes to visit. He's he's first class. He's been great to me and, and my family, and that that makes everything worth it. We, uh, I, I, you know, again, I've been blessed over there, but about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, they had a Coach Any Day. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, so they came, Horn Schwagel, me into going over to the uh, dining hall after a game. And there were a lot of kids at the game, you know, and, and I, I thought that was kind of strange. But the, and my sons came home, you know, they were both down in Florida and stuff. So, and, but I'm not that smart, so I, I didn't figure it out. And I walk in, and it, there was about 750 people, and they were all old players and the family of old players and stuff. And 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 you just get to the point where you say, my God, you know, how many lives have you touched in uh, in 38 years? And, and when you see him and they call you coach, you know, Herb, Herb Hand calls me coach. You know, Joey Gilbert won the, won the goddamn Super Bowl. Yeah. And he called me and said, coach, you know, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything more in my life that I'm, you know, prouder of than, than for them to still call. You know, I, I still coach Bruce. I've never called Coach Bruce down in my life. Yeah, you know, Buddy Evans. I, you know, I'll call him Buddy. I call him a lot of things behind his back, but you know, when I see Coach, it's Coach Evans. You know, yep. the respect thing, and to think that these knuckleheads still call me Coach is 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 stunning. They got up, and, you know, seven of them got to talk at this event, and every one of them, you know, Coach Eighty, this, you know, and that's that's pretty special. That's pretty yeah. special. So you got a bunch of other comments here. Let me pull as many over here as I can. Uh, coach Vaccaro says, as a young coach just starting, I learned more in the coach's office before a varsity game than most people learn in a lifetime, and it wasn't all football. Coach, you were one of the main topics of conversation. Thanks for the memories. Uh, he's uh, that's that's a special family, special yep. family. His 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 cousin Paulie, his cousin Paul Vaccaro, was my hero growing up when I was a kid. By you know, and I got to watch him play football and. And basketball and baseball. He was he was actually his cousin was uh, Julius Irving's roommate at UMass. And you got another one here. Ned Guinea says thanks for everything, Coach. We love you. He's uh, he's I don't know if I just told the story. But he was a kid who got poked in the eye and uh, at the Williams game and uh, had to go. I think it was a play or a chorus or something. You know, he's he's another. That's a, that's another. That's a whole other group of kids. That's you know, there's him and uh, there's about seven or eight of those kids to this day. You know, kid named Brian Munson down in down in Florida. You know, and uh, when Ned got married, I went up to the wedding up and he married a girl from Toronto. I went up there and uh, he had all, all his football friends were the were the what do you call it, best men. You know, it was it was an amazing thing. Great kid, tough kid. Came to, came to Hamilton as a quarterback. And you got uh, I call I call him coach still Ron Ron Mamano. 
Coach, Coach was up at uh, Fordham when I was up there. Says, love you, Coach. Thanks for all you did when we played. Always keeping in touch after we graduated. Smelling salts are still a staple in my coaching playbook. <laughs> you know, he, I bust his chops. Whenever I see him, Davis would never let me get him over on defense. I mean, Ron is a stud. I don't care. I don't care. You could have made him a quarterback. He would have been all-league quarterback. But uh, I always laugh because, like, I say to him, you should have played defense. And he'd say, man, coach, I wanted to. And if I told you how many times I would say something, even on goal line, you know, I'd say, geez, let's have him for goal line. He'd say, not a chance. I'll tell you a funny story. We were playing uh, Trinity. And uh, during the week, Mano Mano was the center. And uh, the kid and Trinity played on that front. So uh, the kid that that we had to play nose guard during the week was a kid named Larry Carbonero. Larry was about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, you know, weighed about 220. He was a really good athlete and stuff, but he was he was tiny. And I'll never forget, we go up to Trinity on a Saturday afternoon, and the first play of the game, the officials screw up the chains, and uh, so they call timeout. And the kid the kid who's a nose guard for Trinity was a kid. He was probably 6'7", 6'8", 300-pound kid. And I remember Mano stood up, like when the officials you know, walked in. He stood up, and the kid stood up, and Ron's a big kid. And he looked, he looked at this kid and he looked over at me and all I could think he was saying was, where's Larry? <laughs> where's Larry? But he was a tough kid. And, he, and there's another kid, Coach. You know, I was thinking how many kids that have gone to Hamilton uh, and have gone into coaching or are or, or, or our coaching tree, you know, that, uh, you know, kids that, you know, guys at Rochester and uh, Sacred Heart and, uh, you know, uh, Salve Regina, you know. I mean, there, there's a lot of kids. That went through the ham, you know. Jake, Jake's, Jake was was one of our coaches. Yeah, you know, this, the David Catalina, the kid I was just talking about. You know, he was one of the best coaches in the, in the state of uh, Connecticut. You know, well, it, well listen, amazing. I got to tell you, I I've interviewed a lot of people, including um, Rob Manford, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I've I've interviewed a lot of coaches on the Saturday show, and I will tell you, and I told you this with 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 Coach Gilbert. He was probably, and, and I know Herb's probably listening to it. Herb's always fun to talk to. But I'm sitting there talking to Coach Gilbert, and I told the guys after the interview, I said, guys, do, do you realize we just talked to the guys whose responsibility is to protect the greatest quarterback of all time? And I was like, wow. The, you know, he's, he was so great to talk to. Um, but trying to, hit the, the trying to think about it is he had to protect Tom Brady. Yeah. Just another day at the office, but and he you know, was they, a Hamilton guy. They, they, yeah, they did. They did a great job, you know, offensively and defensively. Uh, my son hates, you know, hates Tom Brady. He's a he's a Buffalo Bill fan, and I laugh, you know, because he said they came in there for how many years was he in up there? Twelve years. Since that, they come in every year and they kick the crap out of it. I, man, I, I hate Brady. And uh, so when uh, when when he, for the for the Super Bowl. Kevin and I talked before the Super Bowl game. I said, you know, I said, Joey says they're healthy. Uh, you know, they got, and at the end of the conversation, uh, Kevin said to me, he said, Dad, they got Tom Brady. What are you worried about? You know, that's, that's, that's quite a thing to have somebody like that back there. But, like, he's a great kid. Joey, Joey was a, a, a stud football player. Yeah, you said that. He's, he's a better person. He's a better person. Calls me coach. Super Bowl. He's got Super Bowl trophy. <laughs> Calls me on the phone, Coach. What are you doing? But, well, you got another comment here. You got Jen Scanlon says, Coach Eighty taught me both on and off the field. I've learned some great lessons from Coach Eighty. 
I, uh, you know, it's they're like my daughters. The the the, the Scanlon girls are, you know, are, are very very close to, to to Bonnie and I, and actually Kevin and, and Chris too. And I, I think one of the best things that happened, when I when I got the job, uh, Neskak would never let any. You couldn't have a strength coach. Teams could lift weights, obviously, but there was no such thing as a strength coach. And so. Uh, I don't know when they finally let us have a strength coach. They hired me as the strength coach, and I got to work, you know, obviously with the with all the men's sports that I'd been working with all those years before, anyways, you know. But I got to work with the the, the girls' sports, and coaching girls has got to be one of the great experiences of my life. I mean, I, they work so hard at being good, you know. I mean, and and a lot of them. We're never, we're never taught anything. You know, they were never, they, they weren't allowed to go into the weight room or they didn't go in there, you know, uh, uh, because they were embarrassed or something like that. And, uh, and little by little, we got them, you know, I got the girls to come in. And uh, one of the teams I coached was the girls lacrosse team. And they were, they were very good athletes. You know, I was, her hands got a great line. He said, it's the sperm and the egg, you know, coaches make a difference. <laughs> But, you know, there's a difference between players. When you got good kids, it's a lot of, you know, I've, I've been blessed. I've coached some really, really good football players. But uh, I've, I've coached some other guys that weren't so good. And I coached them just as hard as I coached the good ones. So, I mean, don't blame me for the good ones because I have to take credit for the bad ones too. But this girls team went on and won the national championship. And when they came home, the one, one of the girls was one of the captains came in and said, Coach, this is your fault. You did this. You know, you're the reason, which was nonsense, but it was nice to hear. But they they got so much stronger and they did so many things that they probably couldn't have done if they weren't. So the 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 chance to coach girls has been, you know, just and, and I've coached that was a that was a national championship team. I had a national championship uh, swimmer, you know, who came in and she wanted nothing to do with the weight room. Nothing. She didn't, you know, and the only reason she did because her sister was an All-American over there and her sister liked me because I helped her. And so she worked and she became a national champion. She said the same thing, you know. So working with girls is, uh, is a great experience. Everybody should be lucky enough to coach, uh, coach girls. For and I, 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 that's a funny story. When I was with, uh, when I was still at RFA, Mize got me, Mize hooked me up uh, to help him with the uh, indoor track team. And I was supposed to be the girls' coach, and uh, I don't know. I, I'll tell you what: there were there were girls on that track. We this kid, Greg, I was talking Greg Bosey, was one of really really talented kids, baseball players who never ran track. But we got him out for indoor track, you know, to get in shape for baseball. And there was a girl named Gloria Coleman. Gloria, I remember Gloria beat him in a forty-yard dash in the hall by the pool. I think. <laughs> I mean, there there were studs on that team, studs. You know, I was like coach of the year. I said, my God, I'm the best coach in the world. But uh, there, there are some great kids, great kids. Let's see. you got more comments here. Jerry Burleson says, great guy right there. Thanks, Jerry. Burley was my hero growing up. If you lived in Rome, you had two heroes, Jerry Burleson or Tommy Michlinski. I knew I couldn't be Burley, so I, I, I tried to be more like Mize. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just to watch those guys play. That, he played on some pretty good teams, too. I'll tell you what, there was uh, there was some some tough tough games. I remember they beat Mooseheart, supposed to be one of the best teams in the country, and they just they beat them like a rented mule. I mean, it was like seventy-one to nothing or something. I think 
he was he was quite an athlete. Let's see, you got Clay Hennessy says one of the testaments to Coach 80. John Newman says, Coach, Cat cannot figure out how to check because he was a D lineman. <laughs> says, he asked, what were your greatest tips for a player who gets blown back a considerable distance? We had a kid, yeah. This is a blue bet. These, these kids should all be in jail someplace. Um, <laughs> the, the kid they're talking about was a big kid from, uh, from England. And uh, he, he tried to get in the BU. And uh, Steve Stetson had left, and he was a coach at BU. So he, he kid had never played football. He was on the All England Under 16 rugby team or something. He was like 6'6", 270 or something. And uh, so Stetson, but you know, you probably could play like Division Three. And so he hooked, long story short, he hooks him up with us. And uh, he he became a defensive lineman. He didn't know he didn't know uh, you know he he was lost to say the least. And he used to say things every once in a while that were just you know. He'd get hit. He didn't know what a trap was for two years. He, he couldn't fit it. You know, I, I I always tried to break things down so it was easy for the kid. You know, I always, I always say to the, uh, the tackle, like a three technique, I say, if one man pulls hook inside, you know, if he's the kid's not blocking you and he's not blocking anybody else, somebody's going to come block you. And he couldn't figure that out. And he'd get hit. And he he used to call it his bum. He'd say, Coach, I got knocked on my bum. they go, yeah, I, I noticed that. That was, uh, that was pretty obvious. But... Uh, they they gave him a, a quite a bit of abuse. <laughs> and Uncle Paul, I wanted to ask you this too: is um, you know you mentioned Jerry Burleson, you mentioned Coach Mize. Who were some of the the coaches, players that you know that you looked up to, kind of as mentors when you were growing up? When when I, it's funny, you know, like I said, Burley, you know, Burley and Mize were like uh, when I was a young kid. Not that I'm not. That, not that they're that much older than me, but when I was young, man, I, that was a big deal. And, and I got to work with my, you know, I, I, when people talk about RFA football and they talk about Don Bruce and they talk about Hokie and stuff, I, I truly believe in my, my little fat heart that the reason RFA football was so good was because Tommy Mize ran a strength program that nobody, nobody in high school football was running yeah. all year long. If you weren't, if you, when football ended, if you weren't, you know, if, if you weren't doing anything else, you went off for indoor track and you'd lift weights and then, he'd, and then you'd run track. And in the summer, uh, he used to run a, a program and it was, it, you, you certainly wouldn't remember the old, there was a pit down in the old RFA. It was the old gym. And we used to put the weights down there. And, and those kids, the, the kids that, that made RFA football, RFA football, were kids that Tommy made stronger. He, you know, his son is one of the best strength coaches in the country by far. And Tom would never admit it. We, you were talking about uh, uh, being recruited. And I remember when we, when uh, that group, Frankowski and those kids were seniors, they were all division one kids. And the coach from Duke came in and we were doing plyometrics and and nobody was doing play. Tommy, Tommy had a great friend at Maryland who was the uh, high jumper, world-class high jumper, and had, had become the uh, coach, uh, coach down there. And he used to go to Russia. And uh, there's this guy, Dr. Verkashansky. And Verkashansky started doing this plyometric stuff because they had no place to work out in the winter and stuff. And we were doing these box drills. So kids call them box drills and stuff, but it's basically jumping on and off of a box. 
the plyometric part is when you land and jump off the ground. Anyways, the coach from Duke came in and he saw these kids. You know, this Frankowski kid was 245 pounds. He was jumping on like a 40-inch box. And he looked at me and he said, I don't think I got anybody in my program that could jump on that box. And I don't think he did either. And, and that's why they won so many games. Tom just made those kids stronger. You know, people always talk about, well, they had guys from the base. And it was this guy. We used to win because our kids were tougher, you know, and they weren't the biggest kids. You know, I remember one year our, our, our kid was the, was the nose guard on the all-star team. And, the, and he was probably 5'10", 200 pounds. And the kid that was the second team, it was a kid from New Hartford. He was like 6'4", 270, you know. But our kid was stronger, faster, quicker. And, and that, they were so far ahead. Our faith football was so far ahead of everybody else in that, you know, in strength and conditioning. That's what makes the difference, you know. And Tommy really did. I talked about Jig, you know. Uh, you know, Davis to me is, you know, like uh, he, he's like uh, he's like a brother to me. But the, the guys that I worked with, you know, uh, a guy named John Katie was a defensive coordinator when Pete Alvarez was over there. You know, he was just great coaches. You know, Coach Murray over at Hamilton now is, I mean, you know, it's funny. You, guys are good coaches, but they're, they're horrible people. I've never worked with guys that were better people than the guys I've worked with over there. Just super guys, you know. And, and you, you get to be around them and learn, you know. Uh, my brother, you know, I always get a kick. You know, I used to always laugh when my brother won the state championship. After the game, we went in this little hallway and we we're standing there giving each other a hug. And I said to him, it's a long way from Balsam Street where we grew up. And I used to bust his chops because he like I look at the program, you know, he I, I'm not sure he was C or D. I'm, I don't know what level that they were at, but they would have the program. They'd have all the teams that were in the final, you know, 16. And some of them were like it was like a clown car. You know, I mean, it was the kids with a hat on and their girlfriend sitting on their lap. And, and my brother's team was always, they always looked like it was a pitcher from Duke. You know, he always made sure that the kids were prepared to play and all. But he, he made it a program. And that was the thing about the people that I grew up around. You know, they, they made you do that. Coach Evans, you couldn't, get, you know, you played for Coach Evans, I think. Yeah. Couldn't get on the bus without shine shoes, you know. Yeah. You didn't have shine shoes, you know, go shine your shoes, you know, and that, and that, that teaches you something, you know, there's a, there's a great thing on uh, Facebook. As a matter of fact, he's a Texas guy that he's a, a, a Navy SEAL and he talks about making your bed. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a house, my father was in the Marine Corps, so I made my bed every morning, uh, you know, and, and I always laugh. It wasn't a hat, it was a cover, it wasn't a floor, it was a deck. And he talks, you know, he talks in there about, you know, getting yourself ready for the day. And that's the thing that great coaches do. They get you ready. They get you ready. And, and to hear some of these knuckleheads say how much I've helped them and stuff, it, that, that's touching because, like I say, you know, that's that's your job. You know, your job is to make – you hope you win. You know, I, I've never gone into a game thinking I was going to lose. You know, you, I was pretty sure a couple times. You know, there were a few games I went into. I, you know, I laughed the other day. Joey said something to you about you're going to win them all, you're going to lose them all, and you're going to get fired. You know, and I've been on both ends of that stick. You know, and uh, like I say, it's it's your job. That's that's the, the 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 greatest part of coaching is 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 seeing kids twenty years after. And and they t it's funny because they'll tell you things that you said to them, and I know I didn't say it. But they think I did, you know. And uh, but it's 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 a special job, you know. So, I was blessed. 
You got into, I think it was the class of 2014 at the Rome Sports Hall of Fame. You went in with a great class. They're all great classes. Uh, you were in there with Milton Burkhart, Derek DeCosti, Steve Evans, Marge Van Slyke, and Tom Zimikowski. How special is it being in that Rome Sports Hall of Fame right here in Rome? You know, it's it's obviously anytime you get recognized, you know, for for something that you did is it, it, a great achievement. And, and, and having my brother in there, that was nice. You know, to, to to kind of be able to follow him in, but you you know, when I when I gave my my speech, the the only thing I really want you know I I really wanted people to be proud of of me, for what they did for me, you know, uh, I I wouldn't have been I, I honest to God Rock I know I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today, if it wasn't for Bob Ryan, you know, saying you're going to be the, you're going to be the head coach and making me be the head coach, you know. And without him, I, I I wouldn't be there. And I looked right at him and said, Coach, I hope you're proud of me. You know, and th- and that that was a big thing, for me. You know, it's a big thing for you, to get in, but but if you if you can have people look at you and be proud of you for what you did, that's that's a much bigger deal. That's a that's a much bigger deal. So I got to ask you a question. You've been, you've been at this thing a long time. When when's the time to officially hang it up? You know. I'll tell you how I quit being the strength coach. I was a strength coach by myself for probably four or five years. Never, no assistance, you know, not, it was me. And, uh, and I, and I had to write programs for every, every sport that came up in the weight room. You know, I had to do, uh, I had to do uh, their workouts. And uh, finally they got me a, a, a kid who was my assistant. And I said to him, I, it was Christmas time. And I said, I said, uh, you know, if if I wasn't here, would you stay here? He goes, Yeah, I love it here. This is great. Oh boy, this is a great place. I love I love the kids. And I said, Good. And I went over and John Hine is and was the AD then. And I went over and I said, John, I'm going home. And he said, Good. You know, it was Christmas. It was Christmas break. He said, I'll see you in I'll see you in four weeks. I said, No, you won't. I'm done. And that's why I quit. I, I don't know if it's the right time or the wrong, but when you know it's the right time, you quit. And and there and I'm blessed because you know Coach Murray really lets me kind of you know I'm I, I'm on the field and I do a little bit outside but really you know I'm like I'm I'm the I'm the oldest GA in college football <laughs> and uh, you know he lets me be a coach and and that's all I want you know and and so I don't know Rock I mean there there's times I wake up you know and say this is it I'm done what. You know, I, then then like today, today I, I was telling you before we went on. Today was the first day of uh, of practice, spring practice, and uh, they won't let anybody outside. You know, you can't come if you're not on campus. You can't come on campus, so I can't uh, I can't be a practice. But man, it's it's hard. You know, I mean, like you say, oh, geez, I wish I was there. So yeah, I'll know. You know, everybody knows. You know. Unless you're Willie Mays or somebody like that, and you, you know you don't know, but uh, I, I think I will. So, last thing I wanted to ask you: so, when you look back on everything, and it, it's a long, long, long career, and it's been a great career for you, ups and downs, and all that. Is there anything you would go back and change? And if you could have, would you have done it any differently? Uh, you know, job what you know, I, I would have uh, hugged Marty Deheimer one more time. Uh, you know, said goodbye to Mark Felice, but uh, 
job wise or athletically, I honestly got rock. I, I, you know, it, I, I've been so lucky to, 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 you know, one of the first things when I first went to Hamilton, we we're sitting around the table and they were talking, somebody was talking about winning and losing and how many games they'd won. How many they won. And I was sitting at this table. I'm saying, Holy shit. I, you know, I never lost a game in high school. These guys are talking about going oh and eight and stuff like that. So, I mean, I've, I've always been in, in a position where it was so much fun to either play or practice or, or coach, you know, to be around the kind of kids that I was around for all those years. I mean, like I say, it's, you know, it's special. It's, you know, and, and, and 38 years in Hamilton, you know, like I say, I, 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 I have weight room down my cellar and I always laugh because I have pictures of all the, the groups of kids every year, you know, my, my, my uh, defensive line, I'd always have my D line come over for dinner and I've got, you know, 30 something years of pictures up on the wall of, of these kids. And I say, you know, how lucky I've been, you know, to be part of it. So honestly, Rock, I don't think I'd change a thing. No, and, and and looking back, I still say, boy, over close to 40 years at, at just Hamilton College. Job, Rock. I can't get Ooh. a real job. <laughs> well, listen, it's let me let me just say one thing. You know, the, the the coaching and the kids and all that stuff is great, but you know how blessed I am. My, my family, you know, everybody, most of the people who've been on here. I've talked about it, but the, you know, the thing is, when you're a coach, there, there's like, there's honest to God, right? You go to work like we we start in August and we end in November. There's no days off, you know. You work until you're done. If like Sunday was the worst day of the year of the week because you were there from eight o'clock morning to eleven, twelve o'clock at night, and and your family takes a beating for that, you know. And your wife, you know, I I was thinking I was thinking of the things that my wife has gone through to have me have the chance to be a football coach. And I was thinking, I, I remember Kevin had a, a appendicitis and he, it was on a Sunday and she, and she never even called because she knew how busy we were. We were so busy. And I came home from, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and my son's in a hospital his appendix were taken out. And, uh, you know, the sacrifices that, that the wives make, you know, everybody, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. It, it's amazing. I mean, to, to be a coach is what we were at a party one time and the doctor's wife was crying. Oh, my husband's on call. And he has to, and my wife looked at him and says, I haven't seen my, my husband since uh, August 12th, you know, and that's the thing, you know, your family takes a beating and it's, it's so nice, you know, to, to be a football coach. But there were times when I was coaching that I really felt like I shortchanged my family you know, to, to have the, the experience that I had. So, you know, God bless, you know, and everybody said it, but God bless the wives, man. I'll tell you, Debbie Davis and my wife, uh, you know, tailgating and uh, the, the things they did, it's, uh, we're very lucky. We're very lucky to have a family we have. Well, listen, Uncle Paul, I appreciate you coming on. It means a lot to me to have you on here, and I'm glad we were able to make it happen. And uh, proud of you, love you, and, uh, I know Aunt Bonnie's around the corner somewhere. Tell her I love her, no, too. And, uh, I appreciate said, you tonight. She said no F-bombs is good. I, I got you did good. <laughs> this could be the longest some of those kids that are listening have ever heard me talk without swearing. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. What? I appreciate you. That's okay, for sure. Okay, man. Love you, Rock. You be well. Will do. Thank you. Love you, too. 
That was my uncle Paul, Coach Eighty, and uh, he did good. I, I will say, one hour with him without a cuss word. I don't think he goes five minutes without a cuss word, but uh, he was great. And uh, you know, you think about it, almost forty years at Hamilton College. I mean, that's a long time uh, at any place. Uh, and you know, to hear the some of the, and I and I and I phrased it verbatim because he said the golden age of Rome sports and, and some of the giants of coaching from years ago that he talked about, the Lou Bennett's, the Coach Bruce's, the, Co the Tommy Mize, you know, the Coach Hoax and, and and so forth. That list just goes on and on. And that's that's the fun part about this legend show is all these coaches have so many great stories. But I think the biggest key for me to listen to is just the impact that they've had on these athletes' lives 20 years later, still being called coach still means something. So I appreciate you, Uncle Paul. I love you. Next week on the Rock Pile, I'll talk to Coach Jimmy Kenny, a longtime RCH head basketball coach, will join me next week. He'll be followed by Coach Bill Fleet and Coach Jerry Fiorini, and then we will be into April. Uh, and I'll finish up the month of April. And who knows, maybe I'll add more for the month of May. There's so many more people, coaches, and athletes to talk to. I'll be more than happy to uh, talk to him here. So make sure to follow me, subscribe to my YouTube channel. This Saturday, the Mohawk Valley Sports Watch will go from 9 to 11. But as I always say on this show and every Wednesday night, the rock pile is where dreams become reality. Have a good evening, everybody.